Hello and welcome to Bite Back Chats Books. We have a special treat for you today, namely a podcast and a reading from former MP and Home Secretary turned talk show host Jackie Smith. For the Bite Back Book Festival, we're getting authors to talk about everything from their favourite books to the favourite bits of their own books. So without further ado, enjoy Jackie's reading one of her favourite biographies from the Honourable Ladies Volume 1, Betty Boothroyd, written by Nusgarni. Hello, this is a reading from The Honourable Ladies, Volume 1, a collection of essays written about every woman elected to Parliament since 1918 up to the present day and edited by me, Jackie Smith and Ian Dale. I'm reading the essay written about Betty Boothroyd by Nusrat Ghani. Elect me for what I am, not for what I was born. So said Betty Boothroyd during her historic and momentous campaign to become the first female Speaker of the House of Commons in 1992. Baroness Boothroyd's determination to be judged purely on ability and character, rather than on background, family or, of course, her gender, epitomises her approach to life and her political career. As the Member of Parliament for West Bromwich and then West Bromwich West between 1973 and 2000, and as Speaker of the House of Commons between 1992 to 2000, Boothroyd's career on the Green Benches was remarkable, unique and exemplary, but above all, inspirational. I recall first meeting Boothroyd as a newly elected MP in the House of Commons Tea Room, and her gently chiding me for saying that she had been one of my inspirations growing up. Seeing her in Parliament made me realise that it was possible for a woman like me to aspire to public office despite coming from a background where the very idea seemed a pipe dream. Boothroyd has never forgotten her roots, so the thought of being seen as an inspirational figure doesn't necessarily sit easily with her, but that only makes her even more admirable. Boothroyd is a Labour stalwart, someone who, in her own words, came out of the womb of the Labour movement. As an MP, she spent almost two decades fighting Conservative governments on every imaginable front. And prior to joining the Commons, she was an activist and a researcher with the Labour Party. And yet to me, and to so many people of all political persuasions, Betty Boothroyd is an inspiration, a role model and a friend. As she once said, you've got to ensure that the holders of an opinion, however unpopular, are allowed to put across their points of view. It is difficult to find heavyweight political figures from the post-Thatcher era that genuinely changed the political weather and challenged the status quo through the politics of ideas and values, not the politics of politics. But it is Boothroyd's election as Speaker of the House of Commons that has cemented her place in history. She was the first female Speaker in the role's 700-year history. Her predecessors were grandees and aristocrats, in other words, privileged men. Indeed, she had to fight against this centuries-old bias in her campaign for election as Speaker. Her main opponent for the role was Peter Brook MP, now Lord Brook, who had just left John Major's cabinet. The son of a former Home Secretary and a descendant of Sir Robert Brook, who coincidentally had served as Speaker in the mid-16th century, to many in the Commons at the time, Peter Brook was another typical candidate for the position. By contrast, Boothroyd's background was altogether more humble. Born in the industrial town of Dewsbury in Yorkshire in 1929 and educated at local state schools, 
She was the daughter of two textile workers who both worked long hours. The depression of the late 1920s and early 1930s affected her family and Boudroyd's upbringing was tough. Not only was her mother Mary responsible for running the household, she also worked full-time at the woolen mill. Boothroyd has recalled how her mother used to say to her, You know I'm not employed for my sex appeal. I'm employed because my rate of pay is lower than that of your father's. That is the only reason. As a child, Boothroyd dedicated much of her free time to dancing, specifically tap and ballet. It was Betty's dance teacher who first recognised that her strong, powerful voice was an asset. This discovery led to Boothroyd being given the principal male role in three school plays. As a teenager, she joined a high-kicking dance troupe known as the Tiller Girls, entertaining audiences packed full of men. Even as a young woman, Boothroyd was formidable. She was in charge of her own destiny and took no flack from men. Half a century later, she would become famous for her powerful and distinctive voice and turn of phrase. Few politicians have had such a tangible impact on life in Westminster as Betty Boothroyd. As the first female Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher unquestionably showed that women could do the top job every bit as well as men. Yet in 1992, when Boothroyd was elected as Speaker, politics, especially within Parliament, was still very much a man's world. When Betty was first elected to the House of Commons in a 1973 by-election in West Bromwich, she was one of just 27 female MPs in the House of Commons and one of only 11 in the Labour Party. In the 1950s, when she first considered putting herself forward for selection as a parliamentary candidate, Boothroyd was told by a party grandee that she was too young and needed to get some age on her shoulders. After some research into the demographics of the Parliamentary Labour Party, Betty found it to be dominated, unsurprisingly, by old male trade union officials. By definition, most winnable parliamentary seats were out of the question for her, as their selections were sponsored by the unions, and she, as a woman, would not be considered. So favoured were male candidates in the early 1950s that even working as a secretary for the formidable Barbara Castle did not help Boothroyd win a selection contest. Castle failed to support Betty's bid to have her name included on the list of candidates that would be circulated to constituency Labour parties across the country. Castle judged that Labour's national agent, Len Williams, quotes, wouldn't have it and she didn't want to push it. Sexism was a clear obstacle for women, but Betty Boothroyd was determined not to let it stand in her way. Eventually, her determination and perseverance weren't over the Labour Party officials and she was selected to contest the 1957 by-election for Leicester South East, a seat which lay deep in the Tory heartlands. The Leicester Evening Mail welcomed her selection, describing her as a Yorkshire lass of 26 chosen to oppose a Tory, before going on to describe in some detail her figure and appearance. Her first parliamentary contest ended in defeat. Boothroyd's relentlessness in the face of adversity would be tested over the next two decades. It's not uncommon for MPs to have fought and lost elections before finally winning a seat. In fact, it's almost expected. I stood unsuccessfully in the safe Labour seat of Birmingham Ladywood in 2010 before being elected MP for Wealdon five years later. But Betty's persistence was admirable. 
she contested and ultimately lost four parliamentary elections. It's a testament to her character and determination that she fought the West Bromwich by-election in 1973 with the same vigour, excitement and energy as she had her very first contest 15 years earlier. She won the seat with a majority of 8,325. Once in Parliament, it was always going to be impossible to curb Betty's infectious personality or to dull her campaigning spirit and robust mind. She spent just 18 months on the backbenches and then, after the October 1974 general election, she joined the Whip's office. As an assistant Whip, I've had first-hand experience of the Whip's office and what I can say is that it's not a place where you can show weakness, nor was, nor was it then perceived as a place for women. Whips were the first to arrive and the last to leave, often with votes running until the early hours of the morning. Betty's flock consisted of 32 Birmingham and West Midlands MPs. Even after the 1974 elections, she was still just one of 18 female Labour MPs. Now she was in charge of ensuring discipline and order from a large group of men. An excellent training ground for her later career, perhaps. Internal party strife would dominate much of the next decade and a half. In her early career, Boothroyd had worked for two Labour MPs, resolute left-winger Barbara Castle and the moderate Geoffrey de Freitas. Betty personally swayed towards the more centrist side of the Labour Party and had spent time working for the Democrats during John F. Kennedy's presidential campaign. Her hostility towards hard-left hard factions in Labour would almost come back to bite her as the party imploded while in opposition during the 1980s. Boothroyd survived a deselection attempt by left-wingers in her constituency committee, just holding on by two votes, something today's Labour crop might do well to remember. Betty Boothroyd had been born into Labour, and she was Labour through and through. While she never agreed with the Gang of Four's actions in setting up the SDP, it is easy to see why she felt it possible to distance herself from the partisan politics of the front and back benches. She was soon asked to serve as a deputy speaker to the venerable Bernard Wetherill in 1987. Though she could keep her party affiliation as a deputy, this marked the beginning of the end of her career as a Labour politician. Call me Madam Boothroyd told Call me Madam, Boothroyd told confused MPs on her first appearance as a deputy speaker, laying the precedence for addressing female speakers. While politics was still very much a man's game back then, and still is now to a lesser extent, this marked a step change in addressing the historic imbalance and bias in favour of men that this most ancient of parliaments had been consumed by for hundreds of years. Betty's election as speaker following the 1992 general election, was extraordinary for more than just creating the first female speaker. Throughout the 20th century, the Tories, as the national, natural party of government, had dominated the speakership, accounting for seven of 11 20th century speakers. Just two of those 11 had come from Labour, both elected when Labour was in power. As she writes in her autobiography, for a Tory parliament to put a Labour nominee in the chair was as unprecedented as electing a woman. Betty became the first speaker to come from the Labour Party when Labour was not in government, winning the support of 134 more MPs than her opponent, significantly larger than the majority John Major's government had just been re-elected with. 
Her time as Speaker was filled with parliamentary drama, controversies and embarrassment. The 1992 Parliament would have been difficult for any Speaker to control. As Speaker, it was Boothroyd's job to protect the reputation of the House of Commons and ensure that all parties were represented fairly in the Chamber and that the Executive was properly and fairly held to account. To an outsider, it may look like Parliament is a raucous bear pit, but today's goings-on are positively civil compared with the tooth-and-claw parliamentary back-and-forth of Betty's period. Early on in her time as Speaker, she dealt with rebellious Scottish MPs protesting in front of the mace and with the resignation of a government minister that came dangerously close to breaking the House's self-imposed rule of subjudice that prevents the Commons from inter interfering with the courts. She also faced off with Labour MP Anne Cluid, who repeatedly parked her car in the Speaker's reserved parking space. If Cluid parked there again, she would find she wouldn't be able to get her car out, Boothroyd warned. Publicly or privately, Betty would not allow her authority to be questioned. Her command of the chamber was enviable, from the infamous subtle yawns she would deploy to hint that an MP should probably wrap things up, to cutting off the microphone of Anne Widdicombe to restore quiet. Unceremoniously, Boothroyd would cut question time short with a sharp and distinctive, Time's up! Whether MPs had finished speaking or not. Her firm Yorkshire tones were even able to control an obstinate Dennis Skinner. The new speaker became famous for her brutal put-downs, unwilling to take anything unparliamentary from the floor. Outside Parliament, Boothroyd has lived a life of adventure and daring. She explored the far reaches of the globe and even took part in paragliding. When Limbit Opic, the former Liberal Democrat MP, suffered a horrific paragliding accident, it is said that upon his return to Parliament, he received a note from Betty with well wishes, informing him that she too enjoyed paragliding. In his congratulatory speech after Boothroyd's election as Speaker, John Major described her election as a House of Commons occasion. Betty, characteristically self-aware, knew she had been elected with large swathes of support from the party she had spent almost her entire life fighting. She has since revealed in interviews with the BBC that this was at the forefront of her mind. She could not let the House of Commons down. She could not let democracy down. And she certainly could not let womankind down. Having a bad woman speaker would be disastrous. It would be a tragedy for this house and it would be bad for the country and it would be bad for the cause of women everywhere, she lamented in her speech to the Commons as it voted for its next speaker. As is the case with the rest of her life, Betty Boothroyd's time in the chair met and exceeded all the wildest possible expectations. She furthered the cause for women not just in the House of Commons, but across the country too. She continues to leave her mark on Parliament from the House of Lords today. Hers is a remarkable story. When she began her political career, women were barely visible in leadership positions. We did not hold positions of power in the House of Commons, or in company boardrooms, nor did we feature on the covers of glossy magazines or head-up TV shows. Boothroyd defied her working-class expectations and managed one of the oldest, grandest and most peculiar legislative chambers in the world. Her story isn't one about a woman of privilege with a ready-made network and a high-flying mum and dad. 
It is one of determination and conviction, persistence and courage. She was an inspiration to so many at the time, and she continues to be an inspiration to so many of us now. For the first time in history, Parliament Square is now adorned by a statue of a woman. Millicent Fawcett has rightly taken her place there, a statue commemorating the courage and dedication of suffragists and suffragettes a century ago. I hope that one day we will also commemorate the contribution of the first female speaker, a woman who, together with Margaret Thatcher, showed the next generation of female leaders that a woman's place was, in fact, in the House of Commons. Well, when I suggested recently on TV that Betty Boothroyd was disturbing of a statue, I received my second ticking off from her. Not, I suspect, this time because she doesn't appreciate why she has left her mark on me and so many of my colleagues, but because I am certain she feels she has much more to contribute before such a tribute is necessary. I have no doubt that when the right time comes, Betty will be honoured as the expectation-defying inspiration that she is. Thanks for listening to Bite Back Chats Books. If you enjoyed Jackie's reading, why not check out our interview with her over on our podcast channel, anchor.fm forward slash biteback hyphen publishing. And do check out our social media feeds for the latest on the Bite Back Book Festival. Until next time.